Good morning, church. Uh, God is good and a blessing and moving even in a dry and weary land where there is no water. God is still present and faithful, and I'm so thankful for the fellowship of the Spirit uh, that inhabits this place, for the life and the journey that we share together um, this summer, sharing this series of sermons uh, that we have called Shema, the Hebrew word for hear, and uh, the short form, the title of the prayer that the people of God, Israel, has prayed for generation upon generation upon generation upon generation. In homes in the morning and in the evening, at their gatherings together at synagogue, in many places, and even as early Christian communities grew up out of this tradition, Jesus himself growing up out of this tradition in early Christian assemblies, still holding this prayer as central, adding to it the Lord's Prayer. You might remember that uh, some months ago, uh, we did a series of sermons on the Lord's Prayer. Uh, anyone remember that series of sermons? So I like uh, the notion that in the span of this last year, we have spent considerable time thinking about how our life together is anchored in these prayers. The prayer that Jesus taught his disciples to pray. Words from God, Jesus gave them to us, right? Words from God that we pray to God that shape our hearts and our affections and our desires and how we see the world and each other and how we see ourselves. And now coming around here to this prayer, the Shema, this prayer that God's people pray. And I'm going to invite you uh, to say these words with me as a prayer. You'll see the words on the screen and we'll all speak them together out loud. Would you join me now? Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength. The commandments I give you today are to be upon your hearts. Impress them on your children. Impress them on your children. Would you pray with me now? God, thank you for by your mercy and grace leading us right up to this very moment, your hand that in each of our lives has sustained us, has given us life and, and guided us through valleys and, and mountaintops, you, O oh God, are ever faithful and ever true. Thank you for these words, these ancient words, gifted to us by your Spirit, May they penetrate deep within our hearts and minds that we might know you more fully and love you more completely, more passionately, shape our hearts, direct, uh, focus our attention, call us to be your people even as we seek to hear your voice and to know your leading. Especially today, O oh God, we pray that you would center us in your presence, your voice, and you're leading for this, your people in this place, in Kerrville, in this moment that you've given to us. Find us faithful, even as you are faithful. We pray in the name of Jesus. Amen. To read the Shema, you might remember we said last week, is to stand at an intersection. It's to stand at the intersection of our faith and our children. There's no way around it. 
You can't take up these words, hold this passage, say them out loud, repeat them over and over, hand them down from generation to generation without finding yourself standing at this intersection, the intersection of faith and children. We talked last week a little bit. I shared some of my own story, my own story, my children's story, invited you to think and imagine your own story about what it means to literally be raised in the house, in the house of the Lord, in our own homes, yes, but also in this house. Someone uh, was speaking with me earlier, introducing or reintroducing themselves to me (laughs) and said... I've been at this church for 45 years, 45 years. I'm guessing it wasn't this exact space, but you understand there are roots. Those are roots and they matter. What does it mean to share life in the house of the Lord, to create a space in the house of the Lord for generation upon generation upon generation? We talked about this notion, uh, these words, and this notion of of teaching our children as being more than exchanging information, but uh, impressing something upon them. Remember that? To impress. The Hebrew word can be translated sometimes to wet, like to wet your appetite, to, to create an appetite. What does it mean to create an environment in which in the lives of, of, of the generations coming behind us, we are wetting the appetite. We are creating a desire for something more, for God's presence, for God's leading to wet the appetite for the God who created us and walks with us. I want to suggest to you today, um, I'm going to step out a little bit here and say that I believe that uh, this church, who I've come uh, to know and to love, and uh, haven't been here 45 years. Nevertheless, um, call home now. That this church stands at a pivotal moment. And it's not just because uh, we've called forth a new senior minister who will be here in two weeks. Thanks be to God. It's not just because of that. That sometimes, and it's been a long interim, longer maybe than some expected. But not for, just for that reason. And um, again, this is Stephen speaking, not the Lord. <laughs> but my sense is it stands at a pivotal moment. And, and what I mean by that is a moment to discover a sense of our life together in God's life, and God's mission. Somewhere, I I could point you there, in the Bible, it says, without vision, the people perish. So, what is it to discover, or perhaps it's better said, to rediscover again, to claim, to have a sense, a compelling sense that God, by God's presence and by God's Spirit, has placed before us this vision, this mission, this leading. We are here on purpose. We're not just marking time. We're participating in something bigger than ourselves. Mission. What does that look like and what does it mean? Who are we anyway? And where is God leading us? 
What is God calling us to? Uh, These questions are so important. And I, I, um, again, this this is me asserting something here. I think it has everything to do with Shema. For a a number of reasons, because Shema means what? Here, listen. Are we listening? If you're going to follow, have a sense of where God is leading and what God is calling you to, you've got to have a posture where you're leaning in and listening. You're hearing something from God. We are hearing something from God. So the call, Shema, Shema, O Israel, Shema, O people of God, Shema, O church of Jesus Christ, is the call to listen for God's leading. I think that the Shema has everything to do with this, to hear. The call to love, to love God more than anything else, to love God with everything that you have and everything that you are, with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength, with your everything. What do we think this is about if not God cultivating in something in us, in our hearts, in our very hearts for God and for each other and for the world that God loves so much? Is God stirring something in us that's pulling us forward, that's giving life, that's giving life meaning and purpose? Listen and love and teach, impress Be focused on cultivating a desire and appetite for God. Hear, listen, love, impress upon. Speak up, church. Children. Hard stop. Children. The Shema points us to God and the mission of God to listen and to love and then it lands us right before children centering the call a sense of God's leading and God's mission centering all of that on a generation coming behind us generations coming behind us a rising generation. Do we have a sense of the incredible potency of that, power of that? That we might exist by God's grace and by God's power and by God's leading to be on mission to the least of these among us, the children among us. I want to say that um, when we, we think about this, I want us to think about time in the sense that God thinks about time. <clears throat> that time stretches out on a horizon far beyond you or me in this moment. That time stretches back before us, far before us. That we are handed this moment that is just held within this eternal horizon of time, of generations that have come before us, 
and generations that will come long after us, and we are stewards of the moment. And perhaps the clearest sense of that or glimpse of that that we might get is if we stop at some point in our life and look back at the generation held in a moment of time that's coming right behind us and right behind them. We touch eternity there. You hear that? We touch eternity there. The children matter. And it's not only the children. We think of children. We're thinking of toddlers and we're thinking of uh, little ones. I, I want to exchange a little bit, exchange the word children for the word generation. For generations that will come after us and the ones that will come right behind them. The mission of God held, curated, stewarded on behalf of the generation. The generation. And if we lose a sense of the continuity, I don't mean in form. I mean in spirit, in continuity of the generation. We've lost something central to the heart of God and the people of God. Are you with me now? Okay, so maybe, just maybe, we will hear and discover and trust that we are on mission to the generations of parents and children that are coming behind you and I, many of us. The children. And that mission is not Clark's. I mean, it is, but it's not only Clark's. And it's not only Ricky's. We called them forth to lead us, to, to lead the children and the youth and the generation, right? To lead them, but, but not for them to do, but for the, the whole body of Christ to be called to that mission. It's our calling. It's our mission. Put simply, I hope that at some point that God might lead us and form in us that if, if anyone were to ask us, what's the body of Christ at Kerrville about? What's its mission? We might be able to say it. And the person who says it over there, separate and apart from the person who says it over there, might say the same thing. And I don't know, I'm, I, 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 again, I'm saying I'm stepping out a little bit here this morning, but one way we might say it is, it's the children, it's the children, it's the generation, it's the generation. We got to get out of the way and nurture the generation. Okay, I've shared with you pieces of the journey I shared with a little West Texas church in Buffalo Gap before. You've heard that. I hope it's semi-entertaining <laughs> to hear my stories. Uh, at least interesting to hear stories about a little West Texas uh, church. Um, I, I'm hoping to make it seem, you know, quaint enough that people will think when they're in West Texas, oh, we got to go to Buffalo Gap. To, this place is like, you know, no, maybe not. Especially not this time of year, right, Art? <laughs> um, but the reason I'm sharing that story is uh, along the way is because in my journey with them, we were asking the same sorts of questions together about where God is speaking and where God is leading and how do we discover a sense of God's presence and God's leading. And I, I told you about the story about community cookout where we said, oh yeah, we got we to know our community somehow. We've got all of that. And someone said, well, if I wanted to get to know my neighbors, I'd, what I'd do is I'd, I'd do a barbecue in the backyard and I'd invite all my neighbors over. 
And so we tried to do that. Remember that story? How many of you remember me telling that? Chopping the onions and the smoke going up and no one comes? <laughs> and then we tried it again and no one comes. And then finally, you know, there was one or two little folks that had trickled in. And, and we said, well, what are we going to do with all this? And, and um, the, the word, the voice that we heard said, I know a man who lives in a bus. <laughs> And so we met Don on mission, not on our turf, on his. And then we began to move out into other places, and we met James and Kay Littles, who sat out on the front porch at their little house, elderly, little elderly couple, sat out on the porch and waved at people as they went by and said to them, Jesus loves you. Folks, folks would slow down as they turned the corner to go out to Perini Ranch. And they'd roll down the window because James Decay were waving. And they'd say, Jesus loves you. That was their mission. And then they led us across the street to the trailer where Mike and Blanche lived. Mike and Blanche Zuniga. I told you that story. And we sat in Mike and Blanche Zuniga's uh, living room. And we learned that the Spirit of God, that the people of God could be assembled anywhere and the life of God could be discovered. Remember that story? I told you that story. And then I also told you the story about how our life as we were listening for God's leading and God's blessing led us to uh, Juarez and to the Carrillo family and, and how we discovered out of their poverty an abundance of love that has put us in relationship and on a journey for the last, I don't know, 20-something years. I told you those stories. What I haven't told you is the third part of the story. The third part of the story um, goes like this. It has to do with what began to happen on Wednesday nights at that little rock church in a little community in Buffalo Gap in West Texas. It was the summer of 2006, and we had... Um, uh, I was preaching there, but I was, my full-time job was at ACU, and then we had a youth minister who was a student. We had an ACU student who was a youth minister, and uh, man, he was full of life and energy, still one of my favorite people, and his name's John Giles, if anybody out there knows John Giles. And John, John said, hey, we had just about, uh, you know, Vacation Bible School had just about run its course, you know. And John said, we need to do vacation Bible school. And we thought, oh, no, that's a terrible idea. <laughs> it taxed people, you know, little interest. We should do vacation Bible school. I thought, that's a terrible idea, John. He said, no, no, it'll be fun, and we'll get the youth involved. And, and so they did, and they, they made plans, and they set a date, and then they, they, uh, John bought a bunch of popsicles, and all the uh, youth hit the streets or roads in Buffalo Gap however you want to imagine that. And they took popsicles to kids and houses and with little notes that invited them to come. And then wonder of all wonders, they did. They showed up, these kids from the little community of Buffalo Gap. We didn't, you know, hardly know that they were even there. And we thought VBS was a terrible idea. And then they all show up. And then um, the next thing we know, Vacation Bible School is over, but they keep showing up unattached. Do you know what I mean by unattached? That means they, they weren't just, we weren't just rallying the kids of people who came to our church. They were kids from the community whose parents had nothing to do with our church and who did not come, but their kids did. We weren't even always sure how they got there. <laughs> like, did somebody drop you off? Did you just wander up here? We weren't sure how they got there, but they did. And, and so we, we had meals on Wednesday nights, so we fed them. And then um, afterwards, they stay, and, and they um, were a part of our experience, our life together. 
group of us there tucked away in, in Buffalo Gap. And, and then someone during the school year thought, um, these kids, the, the elementary school was just not far, it was just like a block away. Let's just have them walk over and we'll tutor them after school. And then we'll have dinner. And then we'll do our Devo. And then the kids will have class. And, then, and so we did that. And, and I'm telling you, I'm not exaggerating here, it infused a kind of life. You can interpret that however you want. A kind of life, a kind of energy, a kind of, whoa, what is happening here? I, I remember looking at one Wednesday night and noting that, and I called it out because I had kind of you know, done the estimation like preachers do, and, and I said, you realize that about half of us are children that weren't here a year ago, are people who weren't here a year ago? So they came and they infused this life in, in, into our, our, um, our fellowship. And I remember one Wednesday night, I showed up at church, at the church building. When I arrived, there was Devin sitting with his back up against a, uh, one of the big oak trees and his backpack tossed to the side. And Devin was one of those who got connected to us from the uh, community that way. He was a little bit older than the rest. The rest were mostly younger children. He was a little bit older, Devin was. He was sitting there with his backpack tossed aside. And, um, and he pretty quickly, Devin, started showing up uh, on Sunday morning. Some of them then started showing up unattached on, on Sunday morning to hang out, to connect. Devin would show up uh, on Sunday morning as well. I'm never sure how he got there. He would just show up and he would help Peter. Peter was one of uh, our elders who would always come early and make coffee early before anyone else showed up. And Devin uh, got where that was his thing. He showed up, he met Peter, he helped Peter make the coffee, and, and he had interaction with Peter. And there was something to that. I remember one especially cold Sunday morning, Peter found Devin waiting for him in the cold, and he asked he asked Devin how long he had been there, and Devin said, from about six. From about six. Not long after uh, that, at Christmas, we did this thing out next to the church called Cowboy Christmas, and we built a campfire, and there were marshmallows and s'mores, and we sang, cowboy, sang and there were cowboy stories and Santa in a pickup, you know, with boots. I mean, cowboy boots and all that. And, and then afterwards, we were cleaning up, and Devin was hanging around to help. So you get the picture, right? 6 a.m. to hanging around to help. And, and Peter asked, hey, Devin, do you need a ride home? And Devin told him, no, I, I was planning just to sleep here under the light outside at the church. Now, I know that there was something compelling that drew Devin into Peter's life and into the life of our church, but I also know that there was probably something very dark on the other side of that. Devin is the child of the people of God, too. Entrusted to us, too. When the Shema says, teach your children, impress upon your children this desire to love God and to seek God and to want the things of God, who do we think that is? 
I would suggest to you that on mission, it is to the parents and the children of our own attached ones, generations who come before us from infancy on up as they rise into adulthood, a generation, but that it's also to all the children who find their place here, all of them, whether they're here for a short time or a long time, they're entrusted to us for that moment in eternity. And that's our mission. That's our mission. Listen to these words. This is Colossians 3. If you guys will, can put those on the screen. I just want to share them because they came to me as I was sitting with this this week. Paul writes in Colossians, Therefore, as God's chosen, God's chosen people, holy and dearly loved, clothe yourselves with compassion and kindness, humility, gentleness, just listen to those words, and patience. Bear with each other and forgive one another. If any of you has a grievance against someone, forgive as the Lord forgave you. And over all these virtues, put on love, which binds them all together in perfect unity. Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, since as members of one body, you were called to peace. It, 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 peace, shalom, to the wholeness and goodness and flourishing of all things and all people. The flourishing of all people. A bruised reed, Jesus said. I will not break. In a smoldering flame, I will not snuff out. I will nurture life in you. I will nurture life in you. So, as members of one body, you were called to peace and be thankful. And then this, let the message of Christ dwell among you richly as you teach and admonish one another with all wisdom, through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. And whatever you do, whether in word or in deed, do it all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. Back one slide, please. Let the message of Christ dwell in you richly as you teach. There's that word. As you impress upon the children. Let the message of Christ dwell richly in you as you teach and admonish one another, as you teach and admonish and impress upon the children with, with what? How, how? Through psalms and hymns and songs from the Spirit singing to God with gratitude in your hearts. I'm telling you, I watch this. I'm not going to point or call out, but I've seen this over and over again. Children watch you. And how you sing, they sing. And how you praise, they praise. I saw it this morning. I watched them react to a verse of a song and then notice and then take that same form that they saw among most. They watch us. Um, 
psalms, hymns, songs from the Spirit, singing to God with gratitude in your hearts? What does that look like? And how do we impress that on our children? Okay, I, I, I want to say this to, 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 the, to this church. Well, if we could set aside some of our own preferences. And what's kind of, we've, we've kind of settled in, you know how you settle into, you settle into your routine, you settle into your ways. <clears throat> and we do, even in our faith and in our worship and in our spiritual life, we settle into them. If we could, those of us who are of generations that are entrusted with those coming behind, if we could set those aside to say, look, our purpose is to pour into these everything we've got. We're going to love with, with, with our everything these, this generation. We're going to make some room for that generation to come to know and love Jesus. And, and it might look different and sound different. And you know what? I can guarantee you they're going to think different. I didn't get an amen there, but I could hear it even though you didn't say it. They're going to think different, but that's okay because we're going to be so passionate about pouring into generations of parents and children who are coming behind us that that's okay, that that's okay. The Word of God for us this morning invites us to this moment. So, Shema, church, listen. Shema, listen. Listen. I, I've left, you know, I, I can preach a long time. I've left a little time here at the end for us to do just that. In just a moment, the lights are going to get low again, and I want you to listen to what's on the screen. And part of that um, will involve some space as the video plays out for you to sit in this moment and listen for God's voice and God's leading. Okay? Shema, Kerrville Church. Here, listen. Journey, and long live the children we raise. And long live the memories like leaves the years carried away. And just like a tree that slowly grows, the higher we reach, the deeper we go. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for someplace a little further down the road. Redwoods and daisies never look worried to me. They take what's been given as if that's all they'll ever need. And if that's all they'll ever need, maybe that's all we really need. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for someplace a little further down the road.
Some people's reason for living is to get all they can and move on. But I find more grace in what's given because it leads me to where I belong. Elders are people who hold law and grace in their hands. Where death is a doorway and fallen's just learning to stand. And less is more than we really need. And empties a space for us to receive. Because we're living for something that'll be here when we're old. And we're headed for some place a little further down the road. Long live the journey, and long live the children we raise. Because we're living for something that will be here when we're old. Church, we're living for something. If you are in this room, and you are 17 or younger, would you stand up? Don't be bashful. And there's a, you know that there are children's moment, right? <laughs> so there's a lot of them out there. Just stay standing for a second. Thank you. This is the treasure. whether they're your children or grandchildren or someone else's. This is the treasure. Long live the journey. Long live the children we raise. 
Thank you. You can sit down. May God bless the hearing and the proclaiming of God's word. And may God give us ears to hear. Shema. Listen. Listen.